Honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Dripping black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that I created to shine a light on the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve foods in agricultural products with that Appalachian flair. And this is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. And today we are setting the table with the importance of 4-H and how this organization is so vital to our community through youth development and adult volunteering. Our guests are Dr. Joe Johnson, President Emeritus from the University of Tennessee from 2014 when I interviewed him at his office at UT Knoxville. Mary Constantine with a touching childhood personal story about 4-H and corn muffins. Tony Lawson, co-founder of WDVX Radio, and his childhood 4-H experiences in broadcasting and how that affected him as a child growing up in a holler of Campbell County, Tennessee. And today on his Potluck Radio segment, Fred Sossman revisits an old friend in Roan County, Tennessee. And at the top of the show, I've got some updates on farmers markets that are taking place today. I really appreciate your good company so much, and I want to say thank you for tuning in. Now let's get going first with these farmers market updates for this day, Saturday, May the 2nd, 2020. The Dixie Lee Farmers Market season opener takes place today, and it began a few minutes ago at 9 o'clock at the regular spot at 12740 Kingston Pike in Farragut, Tennessee, and they ask that you familiarize yourself with some significant changes that they've put in place to maintain the safety of shoppers and vendors with no-contact shopping provisions, and that is on their website. The Market Square Farmer's Market is currently on hold until a return to the Market Square is deemed safe by the City of Knoxville and Nourish Knoxville, and in the meantime, they are operating the market at Mary Costa Plaza, a food and farm market featuring some of your favorite vendors from the Market Square Farmer's Market. The market at Mary Costa Plaza will be held next to the Knoxville Civic Coliseum every Wednesday and Saturday from 9 to 1 with a dedicated hour of shopping for the immune compromised from 9 until 10. Parking is free both days in the garage across Howard Baker Jr. Avenue. And the Maryville Farmers Market is open for the season in Founders Square of Maryville, Tennessee, and that opened at 9 o'clock this morning. And the Oak Ridge Farmers Market in Jackson Square is also open for the season, and that began as well at 9 o'clock this morning both with safe shopping practices in mind. 
and always a complete list of farmers markets in our area are listed in the local food guide which is found online on the Nourish Knoxville website at nourishknoxville.org. And our first guest is Dr. Joe Johnson, President Emeritus of the University of Tennessee. In an interview I recorded back at his office in 2014, and we started out hearing about his experiences with 4-H as a child in Alabama. I first encountered 4-H at uh, in Lamar County, Alabama, mm-hmm. and I got involved with 4-H. My folks owned a country grocery store, grist mill, molasses mill, um, and another uncle had a sawmill across the road, another had a cotton gin, and so I got involved with 4-H, and had 4-H projects uh, that you had to do, and uh, so that was my first encounter, and then I had nothing to do with, with uh, 4-H at all until I was employed at the University of Tennessee in 1963, and then obviously was reintroduced through our ag program uh, to 4-H and have been, have been a guest at 4-H Congress and, uh, and visited with 4-H youngsters and know our people who run those programs, meet a lot of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it was about what, four, three or four weeks ago, went out and spent from noon through about five with a lady named Ruth Henderson McQueen, uh, who worked with 4-H folks for us after graduating here, and we were touring around viewing her four farm. And she has one farm that's really in downtown Loudoun. We, we had to see her cattle and see her in all the farms. And, and she's so devoted to 4-H. She and I are on the 4-H Foundation board together. And what's her name again? Ruth Henderson McQueen. She'd be really good to know. Yes, she's I'd love to meet her. She's a great lady. Mm-hmm. Great lady. You would. Uh, mm-hmm. She is so passionate about 4-H. And her role in working with us in 4-H, she worked with training the volunteer leaders. Really? Which are absolutely essential to run a 4-H program. They are. Because we have a relatively small staff, so you've mm-hmm. got a lot of parents and grandparents involved mm-hmm. with you. So I guess my first involvement with, with 4-H would have been in the early 40s. My goodness, and you were living it. Late 30s and early 40s, that- yeah. And I asked Dr. Johnson on the importance of adults from our community in volunteering with 4-H. Yeah, because if you if you go into a county, mm-hmm. uh, let's take a smaller county, uh, but we'll always have at least probably three staff members in each county. Mm-hmm. It's called the Cooperative Extension Program because it's jointly financed by the state, federal government, and the county. Mm-hmm. And one of those people, one of those professional staff members will be the, the staff member, male or female, who works with young folks in the 4-H's. And then we, and so those people are in each county, and and if you got one staff member working 4-H, and if you're in Blunt County, and you got a whole lot of 4-H members, you got to have parents and grandparents and other people pitch in yes. to help you do that. I, well, mm-hmm. I can go to 4-H Congress, and here you are, all the parents and the grandparents are there with these kids up performing and doing their speeches and presiding at, uh, mm-hmm. at at Congress, mm-hmm. or you go to 4-H camps, who's going to help you with all that? You've got That's staff, you got to have volunteers there. That's a, a massive undertaking. Yeah. It's a little bit like I'm involved with mm-hmm. with the Boy Scouts. We've got a small staff, 
we got we deal with about twelve thousand youngsters and we got four thousand volunteers at Fort Mercy. Well, I'm so glad that people step up. Yeah, they and, do. And, and, and they make 4-H work. They do. They yeah, really do. A lot of people assume that 4-H is purely agricultural and farming, but that is not the case. There are 26 focus areas in addition to agriculture and farming, including computers and electronics, public speaking, photography, and more, so you don't necessarily have to live on a farm. You can live in an apartment or an urban setting and still be very active in 4-H. And Dr. Johnson tells us a little bit more about how people can be involved. And also, Dr. Johnson speaks on the importance of 4-H as a great way to teach leadership skills, cooperation, team building, good health, and character development. Well, I think one of the intriguing things on your point uh-huh. is... Yes, it does have to do with agriculture and farming, yes. uh-huh. but we have big 4-H programs in Knoxville and in Memphis and in Nashville, mm-hmm. and there's not a farm within sight. Aha, uh-huh. see, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but I think there are, 20, there are 26 areas in which 4-Hers can have projects, mm-hmm. ranging everywhere from lamb to beef cattle to dairy cattle to computers to electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, to speak making, um, mm-hmm. dress making, mm-hmm. um, also just a whole range of areas, and and the the fact that we've got so, in addition to the youngsters out in rural counties and when farm areas, uh, you've also got people in the city of Maryville, cities of Maryville and Alcoa who are also involved in 4-H. Their folks may have a garden. They may not have a garden. They live in an apartment house. Mm-hmm. But there are projects that they can do. It's That's a great way to get there. And, and a part of all of that is those projects, but then the emphasis they place on leadership, skills development, uh, cooperation, team building, all those things are very important. Character, mm-hmm. good health. Yes. Good health. Um, our our um, ag program has had some major federal grants to work with young people and old people throughout the state of how to eat better, how to have healthy lifestyles, how to exercise, mm-hmm. control your weight, so forth. Mm-hmm. And these young people show up doing all those kinds of things. And um, so it is related to farm, but it's much broader than that because we also address the youth, young folks in uh, our urban areas. Absolutely. And among other things, they can learn to appreciate. There's an article in what, the Knoxville News Sentinel this morning of the 4-H folks and others putting on a program where they had they had all these youngsters from the city coming in, and they, they were looking at pigs, and they were looking at chickens, and they were looking at cows, and looking at horses, and seeing them up close. And one of the important things of that is, is, is and I'm a little biased on this, Every once in a while, when you're dealing with legislators and governors mm-hmm. uh, who may not really appreciate the value of farming, mm-hmm. you have to remind, you have to get them to understand that loaf of bread that you bought didn't start on the shelf at at Food City. Yes, that's right. Or that steak that you bought didn't start out in the cooler at Food City. That is or so Publix true. or mm-hmm. Kroger or wherever. Mm-hmm. It came, it, 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 somebody had to raise that thing. Yes. Or plant that thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so forth. 
And I think that's one of the things that 4-H does is, is it also helps you, uh, helps young people understand some aspects of farming, the importance of agriculture. Absolutely. And if somebody has to raise those strawberries and apples and oranges and tomatoes and potatoes and all those things that we enjoy. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, and we have just heard from our first guest, Dr. Joe Johnson, on the importance of 4-H to our community. And again, I recorded this interview with Dr. Johnson at his office at UT in Knoxville back in 2014. For information on how to get involved with 4-H, whether you're interested as an adult volunteer or if you or your youngster would like to be involved, I put a link to their website on the podcast notes at tennesseefarmtable.com. And up next is our friend, retired food editor from the Knoxville News Sentinel, Mary Dee Dee Constantine, and her childhood memory of 4-H and corn muffins. As you've heard, being in 4-H exposes children to many life lessons, including how to cook. At the age of eight, I joined 4-H and was given a cookbook called A Baking Primer for Blooming Good Baking. Forty-nine years later, I still have that book, and every time I hold it, I'm reminded of the scared little girl that pushed her boundaries by presenting a demonstration on how to make corn muffins. Little did I know that skill would be called upon in my professional career. So I offer no cooking tip today. Instead, I share an empowering experience that can never be taken from me. And that's all because I joined 4-H. Tony Lawson, co-founder of WDVX Radio, grew up in Campbell County in a holler, away from most of the advantages that cities have to offer. And he shares what 4-H did for him as a youth and how it was such a big part of his childhood growing up in the remote mountains of Tennessee. Well, 4-H was a big part of my childhood and uh, uh, what I did at school in the mountains. Um, we moved from uh, near La Follette, Tennessee, uh, to uh, Duff, Tennessee, or Davis Creek, which was way more remote, about eight, nine miles out of La Follette, uh, when I started the third grade. So when I began the third grade at Wynn, Habersham, uh, 4-H was part of what we did once a month, we had, you know, monthly a 4-H county extension agents would come and visit the school and we would have uh, a whole hour of 4-H and they brought workbooks and and they brought these um, ideas about, you know, you could raise chickens and um, and then also as I, I went on, what really intrigued me as a, as a kid, I was a sports fan too, is they, once a year they would bring us to UT at the Ag Campus and uh, we went through all the stuff at the ag campus, and that afternoon we got to go see a University of Tennessee football game. So my first football game was there in 1960. Um, that would have been 67 or 68, Tennessee versus Vandy at Neyland Stadium, and I could, you know, and I got to go with the school group. And my mother said to my next door neighbor, who was taken, uh, who was on also on the bus, "You take care of him." So, you know, she sends us, sends me off with some, you know, some Mountain Dew and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So uh, uh, then um, that was, you know, then I really started, you know, liking 4-H. 
and uh, it it helped to take me different places. Uh, it had various different things that you could study. You could pick one or two of the workbooks and study on this and study on that. And as as I got older and got into um, into uh, junior high school and high school, 4-H um, had these. We, we would do contests at the uh, Tennessee Valley Fair. And I was able to come over and participate in a contest at the fair in forestry. And also I was able to participate in a uh, poster contest that was in Greenville, Tennessee when I was in high school. And I won a trip to uh, what they called, uh, I guess it was Roundup 4-H. And it was where um, kids who won in the poster contest got to spend a week on campus at the University of Tennessee for a whole week. And that was during my junior year of high school which uh, was the first time I'd ever been on a college campus or whatever out of the hills. And even before that, that yeah, the junior year, also that junior year, they had a communications camp in Columbia, Tennessee, and they set up a low-wattage radio station, and I took a bunch of albums and eight tracks, and I was all fired <laughs> up, and first time I'd ever got to be on the radio, because back then you had to go make a your third class license before you could even get on a, any kind of radio station. You had to take those tests and stuff. So uh, that was the first radio I ever worked on was um, at a 4-H camp in Columbia, Tennessee. And then I also did that my senior year of high school. And that was the first board, the first microphone, the first everything I ever did was was in 4-H. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and... Um, and then, you know, I got to do uh, all kinds of cool things like uh, come over here to uh, Knoxville to uh, participate in the Tennessee Valley Fair and the forestry competition. And, and I ate at my first Shoney's that, on Rutledge Pike. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> you don't forget things like that. <laughs> Cheeseburger and hot fudge cake. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, growing up in the mountains, uh, was a very, uh, you know, uh, back in the 60s and, and uh, early 70s, um, you know, we have we have barriers. The interstate system wasn't built all the way through the mountains. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to travel, if you needed to go in, you know, we might have gone to Knoxville once a year or, or twice a year, you know, or if someone was ill or something, you could find a way to make it over, but... Um, it was an all-day trip to uh, to Knoxville and back for the most part, and um, unless it was a special event, we didn't go to big you know big city. So go to town uh, once, maybe once a week or once every other week. We had uh, um, these rolling stores that come through the hills, and my parents and grandparents would buy what they need off the rolling store, and mm -hmm. we didn't have to go to town often. So. Mm -hmm. You know, we stayed in the hills a lot, but we had radio got into those hills and baseball <laughs> and the 4-H people come to the hills. So, um, yeah, it became a, uh, it was a, a channel out to outside the mountains. It was one of the few channels outside the mountains. This is Clint Smith, syrup maker from East Tennessee, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. And now let's hear from our friend Fred Saussman. And today in his Potluck Radio segment, Fred revisits an old friend in Roan County, Tennessee.
This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Saussman. Lottie O'Brien was born in southern Germany, married an Irishman, and made Italian pizza in the East Tennessee lakeside community of Kingston. As the sign out front on West Race Street says, her restaurant, Mama Mia's Pizza, has been famous since 1971. I came down here in 1971, and I didn't have a good pizza. And when I was living in New York, they had a good pizza. So therefore, we made pizza here. And it's all homemade stuff. I make it from scratch. Oh, I never get out of the kitchen. I come in in the morning at 10, 10 o'clock, and I stay here till 10, 11. Lottie O'Brien died this past week at the age of 94. I'm not changing what I'm doing right now, making French bread for my sandwiches and for my spaghetti. I make my own sausage. I make all the ingredients and that thing. I learned, I guess, from my mother though She was Italian. You got pork. You put all the rest, uh, ingredients in what the Italians do. The fennel seeds, the sage, breadcrumbs, whatever I get a hold of. In the kitchen at Mamma Mia's, Lottie O'Brien also remembered her German past. She served a pizza topped with sauerkraut. Sauerkraut is a good ingredient. Gosh, it's good. Most of them, they think I'm nuts if I tell them to try a sauerkraut. And then they like it. It tastes good with sausage, with pepperoni, with ham, sauerkraut pizza, it's good. Yeah, see, I have a German touch too, not just Italian. Remembering the late Lottie O'Brien, I'm Fred Saussman. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.